Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you once again as we have come upon our final regular season show, gentlemen. Isn't it isn't it saddening to know that this is that another UCF season of athletics has gone by? It's it's saddening more to think about to know that I actually have to think about topics to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> well, hey, listen, you're you're not on. you're not the guy who has to find a way to come up with a new post every day. Okay, so don't That's wanna, true. I don't want to hear true. about it. <laughs> uh, we are blackandgoldbanneret.com, the uh, uh, SB Nation show for UCF sports. Uh, you can follow us at UCF underscore banneret on Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. We do have a lot to talk about um, on the show. This is uh, coming up on the end of May. Um, we have, uh, we're going to wrap up baseball as the Knights go 2-2 two and two in the um, American uh, Baseball Championship. And uh, do not get invited to the NCAA tournament, much to their uh, dismay and disappointment. Uh, we will uh, wrap up also... Um, uh, we'll, uh, by the way, we'll also touch upon rowing, who's still going, and also track and field, by the way, still going. The 4 by 100 meter relay team, they're going to the NCAA um, National Finals uh, as well. And, uh, and, and, and a couple other things that we'll be, uh, that we'll be talking about as well. So, uh, so plenty, of, plenty for us to sort of dive into. This will be a relatively short show for us, but let's go ahead and, uh, and start out by talking about uh, baseball. As the Knights uh, ended up falling, uh, well, to the eventual champions, the Cincinnati uh, Bearcats, uh, UCF uh, lost their first game in the tournament, um, won two in a row, including obviously the um, the dramatic game against Memphis, um, but then fell to uh, Cincinnati in the semifinals. They had to beat Cincinnati twice on Saturday, um, and they lost in the first game, ten to six. It's just one of those things where. You know, um, Jalen Whitehead uh, was the starter. Uh, worked four innings. Um, actually, I thought pitched pretty well. Put UCF kind of in a position where if the bats could wake up, they could they could win. But uh, and force that extra game on Saturday. But it just uh, it was it was not meant to be. I, I, what's really bizarre is the Cincinnati offense, which I did the math on this. Um, they were last in the league in in runs. They it took them until the their third game of the tournament to actually get out of last place, um, because the team that was in last place was South Florida, and South Florida did not play in the tournament. So think about that for a second. But Cincinnati scored; they, they averaged about four and a half runs a game, a little bit over four and a half runs a game in the in the um, in the regular season in the American. Uh, and in this tournament, they scored what was it, Brian? Fifty one runs on sixty Correct. hits in four games. Which works out to to some almost thirteen runs per game. They beat UConn in the final twenty two to five, um, and end up stealing a bid because they worked themselves. They were three games under five hundred heading into the tournament. They finished the tournament one game over five hundred, um, which is just like everyone I talk to always says the same thing when I mention it. They're like, "That's just baseball. That's just a baseball thing," you know. And you know, congrats to Cincinnati. And yeah, by the way. They all time they were zero and eight in the American Athletic Conference tournament. This year they go four and zero. I don't know. It, it's it, it, God Cincinnati man. But um, at the end of the day, Brian, you know you've you've been close to this team throughout the year. What 
what really was their undoing in the tournament? Well, their, their bullpen was pretty short, and you know, in that in that final game against Cincinnati, um, you you kind of saw it. You know, they they really you know Jalen Whitehead gave them what they what they needed, which is basically four innings. But then after you know Garrett Westberg and Kyle Kemp, they really didn't have people they thought they could really depend on. Zach Hunsaker was okay uh, most of the year. Jackson Clare has good stuff, but it's just so up and down. It's been frustrating to watch him pitch it many times. And then otherwise, they've just been just been ravaged by injuries. Uh, you know, for this tournament, you know, Jeffrey Hakinson and uh, David Litchfield were, were out because of injuries going into the tournament. And then you had guys who were injured during the season uh, who were going to be critical pieces in that bullpen who just weren't unavailable. And so they were kind of short-staffed going into that uh, going into that Cincinnati game and. You know, as much as their as much as their offense, you know, can score runs, uh, I think that pen just sort of broke too much in that in that last game. And unfortunately, when you look at the way things broke for UCF with the with the tournament selection show, it, it really was. It, it probably turns out being that only one more win uh, is the difference between them, them either getting in the tournament or being where they are now. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you look back at that game, they were up five to two after five. They were up uh, five to four after, uh, or, or five to two after four, five to four after five, and then they gave up. They, they gave up two, obviously in the fifth, three in the sixth, one each in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, and then that was it. Um, well, but I you're also right. note that four of those runs were unearned. There were four errors, three errors, uh, and a pass ball that four unearned runs, and we lose by four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. So. That takes us to Selection Monday, and we knew UCF was on the bubble. I think Baseball baseball America at the on the last day put UCF in, yeah. I think. Is that right? And then Yeah, D1, they, had, they had them out, and they moved them in even after the loss of Cincinnati. Right, and then D1 Baseball, I forget if they moved UCF from in to out or if they kept them they in, did. but they barely. Did. No, oh, they, they, did? they moved them out. They moved okay. them out. Okay. Uh, and were, the, I believe the second or third team out. Yeah, and then the end result was UCF gets uh, left out. I think I think Baseball America in the end said they hit 63 of the 64 teams. Yep. Um, the one that they missed was UCF, and the team that they, that went in over UCF, according to them, was um, was uh, Texas TCU. Christian TCU, who finished with an RPI of 59. Um, by the way, Houston was left out uh, as well. I don't think that's as much of a surprise, although Todd Whitting. Um, came out after the selection uh, show was over and went to bat for his team and UCF and the conference in general. Yep. Said that both teams should have been in, um, you know, and uh, and you know, shout out to Coach Whitting for that. Um, but yeah, well, to say it's, I don't know. I feel like you could play this both ways. You could say, well, it's controversial. UCF should have been in. Eric, I know you're chomping at the bit to get after this one. Don't worry. Um, yeah. On the other hand, there's there is a part of me that's like, well, dude, you know, <laughs> you finished sub 500 in the conference and and uh, and two and two in the conference tournament. You know, you got it at some point. You got to win the games against your own competition, and to and to an extent, UCF um, failed to do that. I will now take that relatively uh, even-handed and uh, and level-headed take and put it in the refrigerator. And hand the podium over to uh, Eric Lopez, who has a decidedly different take on Monday's events. Eric, you may go. No, I mean, here's the thing. Um, could You can make the argument, should UCF been in or out? Yeah, I think you could say, you know what, they, they, they did. There were certain games they should have won. 
Uh, think back to the regular season finale against Cincinnati where they're one pitch away from winning the series. Um, you know, that could have made the difference. Maybe that Sunday weird game against Auburn with a slugfest uh, could have been the difference. That's not the issue. Uh, that's all great. The problem is, with all that being said, UCF's resume is way better than TCU. TCU has six, <laughs> six losses against teams 100 or worse, including three losses against teams 150 or worse in the RPI. That's atrocious. And they went 3-2 and two in the Big 12 tournament. And the excuses that they were used, why they were in, was embarrassing. It was like, well, you know, they had some injuries and they're starting to get... What team doesn't have? <laughs> I know that's injuries. This that's abs- that that that, um, that excuse is ludicrous. <laughs> it's just flat it's ludicrous. A, it was. It is one of the most. It, I got to tell you something. I don't think UCF got screwed, but I think college baseball as a whole got screwed on Monday by one of the most pathetic, embarrassing uh, selections that a committee has ever done in any sport. And you could have put manure on a piece of paper and done a better job. would have smelled better than the committee's job on Monday. That's how pathetic it was. And it's embarrassing uh, on a lot of levels for the sport when you consider the seedings they got in and the hypocrisy. Florida was five under 500 in the SEC. Barely made the SEC tournament. They needed a sweep in the end of the regular season against Missouri at Missouri just to make sure they were in the SEC tournament. Lost in the opening round of the SEC tournament, single elimination in the first round. And they're not even one of the first four in, last four in? Are you kidding me? Um, just mixed messages, terrible seedings. Um, and I got to tell you something, Jeff, and I know you don't like to hear this. The conference tournament format screwed the league last week. Screwed them big time. Uh, and I'll start with two ways. East Carolina, was a, in, in a lot of views, was a top eight national seed going into this tournament. But because they got to play in this tournament, double elimination, got beat twice by Wichita State, they dropped to a 10 seed. When in reality, some would argue, you probably should protect your regular season champion better in a conference tournament format. Um, By the way, no no regular season champion, number one seed, has ever now, still has not won the American Conference Tournament. Houston got screwed because they went 0-2 in the tournament, lost their last three games. UCF got screwed because they went 2-2, but their two wins were not, quote, quality wins because Tulane and, uh, and Tulane and Memphis had terrible RPIs. And the league got screwed because Cincinnati, who was garbage outside the league, couldn't even win a series against Niagara, stole the bid from a better team. It was a terrible week for the league in that regard, and that is why they got stuck with not only just three teams instead of four, but probably their worst-case scenario, their three weakest teams they could have gotten into the field. Can I... Can I um... Can, uh, let me push back on something that you said there, because you said that you got to protect your seed, and ECU, <clears throat> ECU got beat twice. Well, one of those games was their first game, so if it's a single elimination yep. tournament, guess what? They would have been out anyway. No, 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 no. But see, no, see what you should do with them. What I would do: you've got nine teams in the league. You give ECU a bye into the semifinals, and you play, and the other eight teams play it out. That's how you reward a regular. This would do accomplish a few things. It would reward the regular season champion, which they should be rewarded. And here's the thing. This league is a top five league every year. There is a, And it's now been proven that if you win the regular season in the American Conference, odds are you're in great shape to host a regional. And in this year's case, East Carolina, they could have been a top eight national seed. 
But because they win on Saturday and they have a quick turnaround, they got to throw their midweek against Wichita, who's playing for their life. And as we found out, for their coach's job, which didn't matter because he was fired right after the tournament, what do they benefit from that? It's a, it's a disadvantage. To me, what I would do, you you move the regular season champion, get to buy into the semifinal. They don't play until Friday, let's say. And then you would have everybody in the tournament. You would have two versus nine, let's say, three versus eight, four versus seven, and then five versus six. That's how you would reward a regular season champion. But then, but I think then the you would then you would have five. Out. Then you would have five teams in the semifinals. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, you would. You'd have one, two, three, four, and five. No, no, no. Two versus nine. Three yep. versus eight. Four uh-huh. versus seven. Five versus six. You eliminate them till you eat the. You're gonna have ECU is gonna play the winner, whoever gets out of that bracket. All right, we're gonna have That's to. We're works. gonna have. To, we're gonna have to put the bracket doctors on that one. Um, listen, I, I I understand where it doesn't work. The SEC has figured this out. They do what they do is they have their bubble teams play single elimination the first week, the first round, and then they do double elimination the middle rounds. And why they, the reason they do that is they want to protect their bubble teams from losing twice, so they can get the benefit of the doubt from the committee. And that's what happened with Florida. That's the negative of a double elimination format. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how else you format the the tournament so that it would make so that it would make that kind of sense. Because you know, you could also. I mean, let's let's give credit to Cincinnati. I mean, they finished second in the in the in the conference in the regular season. And you you might you can I would argue Cincinnati actually hurt the league this year because their terrible non conference schedule. And here's the other thing I would do in the conference tournament: if you don't have an RPI of 50 or better if you lose in the conference tournament once you're gone you're gone bye bye wait so so we complain all the time about the rpi and and how much and how random it seems at times and now you're saying that you would throw your fate in the conference title to what what your rpi i don't understand that at all yeah no, no because let's be honest here's the deal odds are your at-large teams are going to be in the RPI 50 range, are obviously. And usually, if you have an RPI in the 50s, you probably played a good non-conference schedule or, you know, to, to carry that. You already have a good lead. Tulane played an awful non-conference schedule, a embarrassing non-conference schedule. Cincinnati did not play a good non-conference schedule. The league needs these teams to step up their non-conference schedule, and the way okay. you motivate that is by saying – you get to the conference tournament and your RPI is this low, if you lose once, you're gone. And that would also speed up the conference tournament, which needs to happen. That yeah, tournament drags that's, that's, too that's a little too, too that's a little too loony. I would be in favor of uh, I would be in favor of seeding the conference tournament by RPI. Okay. Instead. I mean, um, I mean if, yeah, that's fine. I mean, but they're, they're going to have to figure out something to help themselves get more teams into the tournament because they could have gotten four teams in obviously there was three bids that were stolen on sunday with ohio state winning the big 10 tournament uh southern miss winning the conference usa tournament and obviously cincinnati winning the uh the american conference so they you know but i i just don't i really feel bad for cliff godwin because they should have been a top eight national seed and those two losses that really didn't they shouldn't have to play those games based on the way they ramp it through the regular. The regular season has to mean more than the conference tournament. That's my big issue. Uh, Murph, can you untangle that Gordian knot? <laughs> uh, there are some things there that Eric said that I that I agree with. 
there, I agree that ECU as the well, I agree that your conference regular season winner needs to get more of a favor in your conference tournament than just facing the lowest available seed. Because baseball in a one game atmosphere is really random and doesn't really, and that, so that doesn't really give the 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 number one seed that much of an advantage, um, especially when they're not throwing their ace on that opening Tuesday because that ace threw on Thursday and this hasn't had enough time to rest to actually throw that game. So I wouldn't mind working out a, a way where those top seeds get a first round bye uh, in the conference tournament. The whole thing about the RPI is a little weird for me because didn't we have a team that really made, the, made the NCAA tournament 59? And so if we cut it off at 50, then technically we're cutting off teams that could make the NCAA tournament, even though this is yeah. I mean, Texas Texas State at Texas State would like Texas State at fifty two would like a word this year. By the way, with you, if Eric. I want if I wanted to throw a number, I'd throw out a top one hundred because then that gives you still okay. that still gives you three fifths of all of baseball because we have two hundred ninety nine teams. Like yeah, I'm not married to the top baseball. fifty number. It could be sixty, seventy, whatever we can do. Yeah. I just, there's teams in the there's certain teams. Look, Tulane and Cincinnati hurt the league this year because their non-conference was bad, and I think that hurt the Houston's and UCF from getting more quality wins. Because the problem is for UCF is you play Tulane and you beat them, but you don't get any credit for it because their RPI is so bad. And well, so you're they, in a no-win situation. We talk, talked about we've talked about from a lot of times this year on this podcast that this league is not as good as it was last year. That's true, and so that will change. I believe it'll certainly change some teams like Wichita State and USF getting better. Uh, so that'll change. That's kind of an annual year-to-year thing that you know it just kind of it's kind of ebbs and flows. Um, back to UCF though, it's disappointing, you know, that they're left out, especially when they're left out over a team they're clearly better than. I mean, I mean, people who do the projections for a living, you know, did not have TCU even in the next four out. They weren't even the top eight among teams that missed the tournament. <laughs> so then all of a sudden to have them in the tournament and have the reasoning be that they have a good pitching staff and they're getting healthier, it's just, it's not even an argument. That's, that, that, that's nothing. That sounds like something something happened under the table that you don't want us to know about. That got well, I'll tell you what it is. I, I know what it is. I, so, know, well, what it is. I, know, I know what it is. Oh, too. Boy. I'll, let you, I'll let you expound upon oh, it. Oh, boy. But I do Gird want, your I loins, kids. <laughs> I do want to finish with that. Uh, you know, but UCF knew what they need, knew what they needed to do in this tournament going in. They they knew yeah. that two wins, two wins would get them in the conversations, and then three wins would probably lock them in. And unfortunately, that turned out to be pretty much true. If they win one more game and at least force a second game against Cincinnati on Saturday night, then they're probably in this tournament with one more win. But they they come up short, and thus they are the first four out this second year in a row, which is really painful. Instead, instead, we put in a team in TCU that was also under 500 in the Big 12 and have quality losses, including Lamar, who has a quality 215 RPI. Lamar went into <laughs> Fort Worth and beat him 10 to five. They also lost to Long Beach State 14 to three, who has a quality RPI of 227. Hey, Long Beach, Long Beach State is usually much better. Don't you, don't you cast aspersions on Long Beach State on this show? That, and, that's and my, my that's not defending my territory. <laughs> and then they also had another quality home loss to one of Jeff's favorite schools, Seton Hall, and their quality 184 RPI, 7-3. to three. Give me a break. Could, like, look, could, have, been, could have been worse. Texas, they could have lost to St. Peter's, but anyway. 
Uh, they, they, you know, I'm surprised they didn't. They just didn't schedule. Maybe they were afraid. I don't know. Here's my thing. If they would have put in a Texas State that won the Sun Belt or a BYU that won the West Coast Conference, hey, you know what? That's fine. I get it. You're rewarding a regular season team. I can deal with that. I thought the committee did a good job last year when we had UCF missed out. And, you know, and I'm like, you know what? They're rewarding teams for their regular season success. But they obviously didn't do that this year. Look, I think for UCF, what hurts about this one is this team played their tails off the last month. Really – the fact mm-hmm. that we're even having this conversation is amazing to me because I'm pretty sure all three of us put this team six feet under about a month ago after they lost that Cincinnati series. And we're like, well, this season's done. Yeah. And it could have been easily for everybody to pack their bags and say, well, that's a lost year. You know, nothing went right. We lose Holloway. We lose a bunch of other arms in the bullpen. We don't have – we have issues in the bat, in the bottom of the order, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't. They, uh, they, they played tough. They made a run at it and nearly pulled off getting into the NCAA tournament. My, my hat goes off to the coaching staff and the players for squeezing as much out of this year, more probably than they should have, really. And I just I feel bad for them. Not, not that, yes, yes, they left games. We, we could discuss the certain games that would, they could have prevented them from being in this position. I just wish that the committee would take their job a lot more seriously because it does. These, these, the, you know, these guys work their tails off from fall ball all the way to spring and to just have a pathetic uh, showing like putting in a TCU is just embarrassing for the sports. I feel bad for these guys uh, who left it all in the field, obviously could have left, you know, a game or two here could have changed things, but it's a tough pill to swallow. Well, Eric, do you want to tell us why, why TCU got in? I, I know, but I know you know too. So just just tell us the the the, the wow. I, well, I mean, do you want to? I mean, I'll defer to you if you want to go ahead and spill the bean. I mean, I don't the know. Real, if the real reason is, is that well? At least it's been rumored by people who know these sort of things is that the Texas AD is on the selection committee, and yes. uh, there might Conte. be Chris Del Conte. Yep. There there might have been some some favors done. We used to work at TCU. Used to work at Correct. TCU. So, so if, Ooh, it's right. not a huge. It's not a huge shocker that TCU gets in when one right. of their good friends is on the selection committee. Mm, little tin, little tinfoil. Is this is this tinfoil hat stuff? I usually don't delve into this realm. This is usually Eric's. This is usually Eric's domain. <laughs> it's usually Eric. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why, for all the people, we're going to scream in December every year about the football committee and how there's politics and oh, I wish they don't decide it on the field. Hey, it's all more fair in the other sports. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's just as political in the other sports with more teams, and it's just uh, it is what it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate uh, that that's the case. That there was some politics involved in that, I'm sure, because yeah, TCU had no business, and I feel bad more. Again, not UCF. This is not a UCF. Hey, UCF got screwed deal. This is more of the Texas States, uh, the Houston's, the UCFs, the BYU's. Uh, there's plenty of more deserving teams that don't get an opportunity. Uh, Texas State did all they had to do in the Sun Belt, won the league, and they had two bad games in one week and get punished for it, whilst TCU can have a bunch of terrible games and get rewarded somehow because they got good buddies in the committee. It's just unfortunate. Expand the tournament. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just get better. Let me run the tournament. I will oh, do the team. You, you pick all the teams, Eric. You pick all the teams. And I have the data. I can get as the, you know. I could do a better job than some of these people do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, you're never you're never not going to get credit for sticking your neck out on that one, um, Murph. I'm going to leave the last word to you. What? Uh, and, and I know this is probably going to be filed under like the way too early category, but um, departures, returnees, everything. 
what if if you're a UCF baseball fan, and I know that there are many of them listening to this program, um, what are the things that you look forward to heading into the 2019-2020 season that you're like, okay, that's this is going to get us over the hill? Well, I don't got, I don't really have great news for you, Jeffrey. Oh boy! Uh, oh great! Wow! Okay. Ready to go. There are a lot, a lot of valuable pieces leaving this team. Uh, and here are I say here's the sampling. Basically, their top four hitters are all gone. I would assume all gone. Now, two of them, Tyler Osick and Matthew Micah, are seniors. They're gone. I am pretty sure that Ray Alejo, the leadoff hitter, center fielder, is also gone. Even though he's a junior, uh, he'll be gone in the draft. I guess my only question will be Dallas Beaver, their leading RBI man, uh, catcher, first baseman. Uh, and so I don't know. Maybe he'll be drafted. I think he might not be drafted, but if he is, uh, then he will go too. Uh, I, 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 but I'm more on the fence of that. But they could they have, they, they have a possibility of losing probably their top four hitters. Uh, I should also mention that I've been told uh, by people in the program that, that, that Anthony George, who is really their best hitter in the fall and uh, has played catcher and third base for them uh, this year, he and Greg Lovelady are, are not too fond of each other. Uh, I don't know if he'll be back on this team. Uh, and then if you go to the mound, their entire starting rotation from the last month of the season are all seniors. Grant Sherman, Chris Williams, Jordan Spicer, they're all gone too. Uh, Jordan Spicer's had uh, a really rocky two years here, but then he turned in his best performance uh, uh, as a Knight, probably the best performance of any pitcher in a Knights uniform this season in, in the conference tournament in a game against Tulane. I agree with that. Uh, he was where, so good in that Tulane game. That was a that was a masterpiece. And it was emotional. And he pitched as a, as a, as a baseball player. He said right, right out front, like, he didn't know if that may have been his last start as a baseball player, which is uh, so amazing to see where he's come from two years where he was a pretty highly respected uh, JUCO transfer, and then he was persona non grata. He just he lost his control. He, he just couldn't throw strikes. And then when he when he started to falter, it mentally got to him. He was reading message boards where people were criticizing him, telling him how much he was a bust, and that got to him. He had to, he had to delete his social media. He really had to go back to square one and just build himself up again. And it took a while, and then he was their best pitcher this season for the last six weeks. And on that night against Tulane, uh, it was, he was outstanding against one of the top ten na- offenses in the nation. It was really emotional for, for, for Greg Lovelady, who was almost near tears in his post-game interview on the field, and then for Spicer. Uh, it was quite a moment. But they're all gone. Uh, they're all gone as well. And then in the, in the bullpen, their two most trustworthy relievers, Kyle Kemp and Derek Westberg, they're seniors as well. And I should also mention the uh, – Griffin Bernardo, who was a pretty uh, good prospect coming out of Lake Brantley a couple years ago um, uh, as a third baseman. Um, didn't, it didn't really go well for him in his two years here. Uh, offensively, he never seemed to get get a hold of it. And then defensively, he kind of got a, a case of the yips at third base. He has decided to uh, stop playing baseball. So, so yeah, uh, all that's gone. Uh, what's coming back? Well, <laughs> so what's the good news? <laughs> So, so Dalton Wingo, I think, is your is the thing you can really hang your hat on uh, offensively. He's a sophomore outfielder who really uh, broke through this season uh, as the middle of, middle of the order bat, uh, second the team in RBIs, really with some clutch hits too. Um, offensively, though, I can't point to another player and be like, you know, this guy's got a lot of good potential on the way up. Like, there's some pieces there, but like nothing you point to and say that guy could be a star. I think Dalton Wingo could be a star. 
and then I have no idea what else to expect of the other. What about guys. what about my boy Pitching Jay? Lions. What about my boy Jay Lyons? Is he <laughs> Jay Lyons? Yeah, Jay Lyons is two weeks of fame. I, maybe he can he can you know extend that into a you know full season. It just after those two weeks were up when he was you know getting walk off hits against Memphis and whatever else, he just sort of disappeared. Um, and uh, you know it's too bad, but UCF got healthier offensively and and he was sort of he ran out of a position to play. Maybe, maybe he'll, maybe he'll certainly should get more of an opportunity next year because there are a lot of spots to fill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, and then pitching wise, you know, pitching wise, they will have Trevor, Trevor Holloway back. He'll be, a, I believe, he'll be a senior next year. Uh, he was really good in six starts for UCF. He had a, about a two ERA before he had some bicep tendonitis that shut him down for the season. How much of a difference could he have made, Murph? How, if he would have stayed healthy, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of one of the what ifs in this year with some of the injuries they had. If they would have had. A Holloway healthy this year could that, that made a could that have made a, a couple of games difference? I don't think so, and I'll tell you why. Because this team never this team lost one midweek game all year, right? So no matter if they were throwing bullpen games or they were throwing Spicer out there in midweeks, they never lost a midweek game. So even if Holloway was in the weekend rotation and Spicer was in the midweeks, well, they're still kind of winning the same games because Spicer was just as good as Holloway was when Holloway was in the rotation. And then once once Spicer got to be himself, he was put back in the rotation and kind of just repeated what Holloway did. And so they, they don't really gain anything from Hollow they don't really gain anything from Holloway being there because they just would have gotten they would have gotten his contributions on Sunday, which they already got from Spicer anyway. And then they didn't really need Spicer to be that great on mid on midweeks because they won those games regardless. Right. So I don't think anything would have changed. Um, but Holloway Holloway will be back. Then they'll probably have to fill the next two spots in the rotation. Uh, maybe Jalen Whitehead will compete for one of those spots. Maybe Zach Hunsaker uh, will compete for one of those spots. Bullpen, then you have, again, Whitehead, Hunsaker, uh, Jackson Clare, I believe, is back. And then a couple of decent bullpen arms. One in particular, Jeffrey Hakinson, who was really the closer at the start of the year. Jeffrey Hakinson was the closer at the start of the year. Had some rough outings, but really has probably the best stuff in that bullpen. Uh, he, he probably, he'll be back. So at least don't forget have- also Joey Sheridan too. I mean, yeah, you you hope that Joe Sheridan comes back from his shoulder surgery. Uh, well, you never know with shoulders. They also should have Zach Helsel back. Zach Helsel had Tommy John surgery early in the year, but he should be well enough uh, by by next uh, spring uh, to come back. So, so you you have a decent bullpen. You have at least one, maybe two starting pitchers, and then a couple of hitters and. We don't know. I can't really even talk about prospects or, or recruits yet um, because we've seen UCF uh, high school recruits be taken in the draft and, and they never make it here. So I can't really talk about those guys yet either until the draft is done on Monday uh, and Tuesday. So it's But there's so much to rebuild here. And I think the, the, the I think it's, it's, it's not that it's too bad that they missed their chance. I don't think they feel like they missed their chance because this team went through so much this year that that last year's team didn't go through so much more adversity, really tough losses, really amazing one 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 run wins, lots of injuries. This team had a lot of fights and 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 really I don't think was as talented as the 2018 group, which was also among the first four out. But for this team to basically achieve the same, almost felt like a victory because of everything they had to go through with the injuries and, and and just everything on the pitching staff and as Eric said, the bottom of the lineup was not very good. So I think in the end, uh, just the way that this season ended, even though it ended in the same spot and it ends kind of feeling empty, 
what what Greg Lovelady was able to get out of this team, I think, surpasses what he was able to get out of the 2018 team, which probably should have made the tournament and underachieved. Yeah, so the hole was greater than the sum of the parts this year. All right, well, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> well remember, and they'll they'll bring in some new faces. I mean, obviously, the draft's got to sort itself out. Uh, they will be so through the JUCO, oh. yeah, the, the JUCO market and the grad transfer market once yeah. again. Again, guys like guys like Osik and guys like Grant Sherman. I mean, these were these are transfers and JUCO right. transfers, so they'll do those. They'll do it again. Yep. And right. they also have a transfer that the redshirted this past year, uh, Connor Allen, who transferred yeah. uh, from Miami. So they look. I mean, that's college baseball in a nutshell, right? The roster there's turnover because of MLB drafts, guys that never said like Murph said. So you just got to yeah. give Greg the the benefit of the doubt. And uh, Murph, there's 260 days till opening day. <laughs> I'm counting down. Here we go. Here we go. So all right. So that'll put a wrap on UCF baseball for now. Um, we keep an eye on the on the draft. As that comes open, and then uh, we're hoping to hear from um, Greg Lovelady and maybe some players who happen to not want to clean out their lockers probably just yet um, <laughs> in 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 the coming days. So when we do, I'm sure we'll be hearing from them soon. All right, we're going to take a break. Stick around. We'll come back. Um, we're going to talk about UCF's athletic program as a whole this year. Um, how did the Knights do in comparison to? Other schools in D1. We've got that and more when we return. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Back after this. Back here at the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you. Follow us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. And of course, Black and Gold Banneret.com. All right. So we're almost to the end of the uh, athletic season for UCF, which means. Of course, the Bannies will be coming up, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna do our nomination show next week. Uh, so Yay. have that on the calendar. There we'll be sending out some. Uh, we'll be writing up who we think are nominated for. And we're, by the way, we're not going away. I know other you know other other right. shows take vacation, wait till fall ball, you know, fall football starts and all that. No, no, we're gonna have a lot of special shows uh, throughout the summer. We got some exciting guests, uh, uh, UCF related. We're gonna have throughout the summer. So we're not saying bye bye, but we I, the Bannies are obviously right. uh, at the forefront. So, here soon. so here's so here's what we got. A couple things that the last couple things we're going to be keeping an eye on. Rowing, uh, they are going to be at the NCAA championships, uh, having won their fifth consecutive American Athletic Conference championship. Uh, they're at the NCAA's this coming weekend, 31st of May through Sunday, June um, 2nd. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. And then also, congrats to the women's track and field four by 100 meter relay team. Uh, they uh, qualified for NCAA Nationals. So they're going to be going to the championships in Austin. Uh, as uh, They got an automatic berth as a third-place team in their heat at the East Preliminaries, um, and we'll be keeping an eye on them. They'll be strutting their stuff for um, now before the, uh, 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 the best track and field teams in the country um, in Austin. So that will be something that we will also keep an eye on uh, the Austin uh, or the championships in Austin will be June fifth through the eighth. That's next Wednesday through Saturday. So we'll be monitoring that uh, closely as well. All right. So some news dropped a little uh, earlier today um, that UCF. This is from the release. Um, I'm going to quote the release here from UCF. UCF is the only athletic program in the country that has seen all of its head-to-head sports post winning records in each of the last two athletic seasons, 2017-18 and 2018-19, among the 130 
NCAA football bowl subdivision teams. One year ago, UCF joined Florida State, Oklahoma State, and Texas in accomplishing that feat, but the Knights were the only athletic program to repeat that distinction this year. Also this year, Minnesota and North Texas produced all winning team sport records in 2018-2019. UCF qualified teams for the NCAA championships or a postseason bowl game in football, volleyball, men's soccer, men's basketball, women's basketball, men's tennis, women's tennis, women's golf, and rowing, while also sending individuals in men's golf and women's outdoor track and field. They claimed conference titles in football, volleyball in the regular season, men's soccer in the regular season, women's tennis, and rowing. So, let's go to you, Eric Lopez, because I know you and I, we like to talk about, you know, kind of compare historic runs and all that. Is this the best year for UCF sports ever? Yes. I mean, overall, I I don't see how you can where, I believe, what is it, 12 out of 16 teams made postseason. The only teams that didn't make postseason at UCF was baseball, which we just ranted about, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. How they could have easily been in uh, with a bounce of a ball with literally maybe a pitch from making the tournament. Softball was one of the first five teams out uh, in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, they would have finished better than 6-12 and 12 in their last 18, probably get in. Uh, women's soccer, which arguably is the flagship program from an on-the-field tradition and success standpoint, was literally a win away on the final day of the regular season from winning the conference championship and hosting the conference tournament in women's soccer and then men's golf, which has been a traditionally good program. Uh, and NCAA, they did not make the tournament this year. That's it. Everybody else made the NCAA tournament or a bowl game like football did. And it was historic. I, I, I think you absolutely have to say this is from an overall balance. This is the greatest year in UCF athletics. The only one I can even think of was like 2010, 20 uh, year there where football had great success and, uh, won the uh, Liberty Bowl and won Conference USA and was ranked for the first time and men's basketball had a good year and made the postseason, things like that. But you've never from top to bottom had this much success to the point where every team on uh, a head-to-head competition was had a winning season. And by far, we're not talking like the worst record, I think, was women's soccer was like three over 500. Yeah. Everybody else is like, you're talking 60, 65% win percentage at a minimum. Um just an amazing product across the board with historic years from the tennis programs, women's golf and their great run to the national championship round. Yeah, I, I'm safely, I would say, yeah, from an overall top to bottom, this is the greatest year in athletic department. And this is, I think, part of the vision that Danny White had when he first got here and said, I want this to just be a, this, I don't want this to just be a top 25 uh, football program. I want this to be a top 25 athletic department as far as all sports. And right now uh, it's on its way. Murph, you have a pulse on the national conversation around around some of these major sports here that we're talking about. Do, yes. do, do these things, you know, do, do, we talk we call them the Olympic sports, right? Football, you know, and, or, or you know, aside from football and men's basketball and women's basketball, do these sports, the fact that UCF is good at them, does that make waves to you? According to you know, across the college sports world like to what extent do people look at that and say okay this UCF program they're not some flash in the pan you know football program they have a real program that they're, that they're working on over there yeah I, I mean football and basketball suck all the action out of the building that there's not enough there's not a whole lot of room left for your baseballs your soccer your tennis programs unless you are 
uh, you know, a, a real diehard. So I, I think nationally, unless they win a national championship or, or make the Final Four in one of those other Olympic sports, it doesn't catch much people's eye. Uh, even in baseball, uh, you know, when they're competing to get in the NCAA tournament, I don't think people look at UCF baseball as a um, – I mean, it's a good team, but not a team like, you know, wow, that's a really great program. It's a solid team. I think what gets the more respect is when you have posts or, or publications like UCF put out today just notifying, you know, putting out uh, releases saying that, look, you know, every pro, every sport in our athletics department finished over 100 uh, for the second year in a row, and this is and we're the only D1 school to do that. I'm not sure if it's the only D1 or it's D1, D2, D3 as well, but at least D1, we're the only school to do that back-to-back years in a row. And I think in that case, all programs were helped. Then, then people look at it like, well, then, then that, that entire department must be great. You know, I might, I might not pay attention to, to women's soccer or men's tennis, but they must be good too because everyone's over 100. Wow, wow. so we have respect everything from that school. I think that gives them. I think that gives the Olympic sports more publicity and credit uh, than, than just a general college fan who, again, spends most of his time watching college baseball and college basketball and college football. Well, they, they made, the clarification they made was among FBS schools. Okay, so the hundred yeah. there's a hundred and thirty so D1. of them. So D one so upper level of of Division one. Um, yeah. If they're interesting. If there is going to be any sort of kind of, are are these the things, Eric, that you think other conferences look at and say, okay, that's a real program over there? I don't know about that. I think Murph's kind of right. Unfortunately, a lot of the media out there focus on football and basketball and don't cover the other sports. Right, but they uh, but they're not like the ones who make the decisions. I don't think the universities do either though. I, I don't. I mean I, I don't think they look at it and like, whoa, you know, look at that baseball, you know, look at that program over there in tennis. We gotta look at that for our league, you know, type of deal. I, I don't know if it goes that deep. I will say, you know, if that time you know, part of it is, you know, how are they doing when the if there is ever a time the conferences change and all that, you know, hey, you know what? If we bring in UCF to our league, you know, look at all their their sports. It's not going to hurt us. Whereas I think I do think I will see. I, I'll meet you halfway on this, Jeff. Is you know when there was all the rumblings, what was it like four years ago, five years ago, or there were, was there going to be movement? Was there not going to be movement? I do believe that part of the thing that was going to hurt one of the reasons why I, knew, I had, was pretty confident UCF was not going to move was because their basketball program was not very good at that time. And so, like, a Big 12, which obviously loves its basketball and it's number one in the league, there was going to be people in there they are like, you know what, we don't want UCF in here because that would hurt our basketball program. I do believe that. So um, I think the fact that UCF is showing that they can win at every sport, I think the message that UCF is sending from that standpoint is if you take us down the road, we will help you and we don't hurt you in anything. We can only help you. And I think right. that's the, the notice that perhaps – maybe down the road other conferences. The question really is, can UCF maintain this and continue this uh, moving forward? Because, I mean, there's a lot of programs. Murph can speak to this in the West Coast, especially in the Pac-12, Stanford's and the UCLA's of the world that win at almost every sport. So it's not like it's UCF the, is the it, only. It's the conference of champions. <laughs> conference of champions, as Bill Walton would say, the yeah. conference of champions. So, um so there's the a passion, lot of the desire. There you go. That's what I like. The desire. <laughs> Can't believe we did Bill Walton on this program. Yes, um, yes. 
but that's you know I think that's the you know that's the exciting thing about it is you know maybe UCF can kind of try to be that East Coast version. Florida and Florida State have had similar success, but um, no, I think it speaks a lot to Danny White as an athletic director, which is why he'll be a name that's going to be brought up every time there's an athletic director job opening, regardless of where it is. And I think it also it will help UCF down the road if coaches move on to other jobs. I think UCF is showing that no matter the sport, this is a good job to have here at UCF, regardless of the sport. Yeah, no, I think that's no, I, I think that's right. I, I, you know that we, you know, we obviously we cover um, a lot of you know these other sports that we talk about, and and it's because we believe in that cause, right? That yes. there are good stories to be told by uh, of players and coaches and. Um, and, and those deserve attention. And I think to see that validated, it, this, you know, by with what Danny White is doing here, I think is is pretty gratifying. And I think both of you are right. Now the question is, what do you do to keep it up? You know, I, I, what happens? What happens next? Is this, d- does that promise continue to be fulfilled, or as things change, you know, will certain things go by the wayside? I don't know. That's a good. That's a good question that we have to. Well, I think that only time is going to figure out. I think yeah. facilities. I think facilities will be questioned, and especially baseball and softball. And just you know, can they uh, raise money there? And you know, look, the fans got to step up on this, and the me. Some of the media have to step up. I mean, part of the problem in today's sports coverage, it's not like it was uh, twenty years ago. In in a lot of ways, the technology has kind of hurt the coverage. It used to be in sports radio and in sports TV that. You had to talk about what was going on at that time. Now, people just kind of make up crap. You know, we're spending way too much time talking about two-for-ones and who you're playing in football in 2028 and what this guy said and stupid crap when there's actually things going on on the field that are, to me, more relevant. I've always believed in this, that things that happen on the field is always should trump anything that goes as far as off-field nonsense. And I think that's... You know, my hope is that, and I think we've seen this with the tennis programs in particular since they've moved to Lake Nona. They've gotten the sport. That thing has exploded. Jeff, you could speak to this because yep. you've covered it in a day. This thing has exploded. There is not a program on campus that has exploded more than those tennis programs from the on the court standpoint and from a fan support. Because when I've seen the highlights on the tennis channel, that place is packed. Yeah. Um, and so that thing has exploded. And I think the other sports, we saw that a little bit with volleyball. They had great turnouts in the regionals. Uh, swim and soccer has always been very well supported. And I think that's the next step is to just support all these teams and the fans. Not just, you know, don't spend a, a, an April or May wondering, oh, you know, I wonder who you see. I wonder who our football team is going to play at left tackle come August. <laughs> Give me a break. I mean, there's too many athletes. You're foreshadowing. You're foreshadowing. He's firing shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got to write that article in two months. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Stop. the key word is two months. The key <laughs> word is two months. We have to make it, that, that's my point. You've got plenty of time in like June, July, and August to ramble about that. We don't need to be talking about that nonsense in like February and March like some of these yahoos do out there in the well, media and the fan base. Yeah. So, But I, I just a phenomenal job. And credit again to Danny White. Credit to Danny White, who, who does not get enough credit for his vision as far as the overall athletic department. I, everybody focuses on everything with the football and the and the and the, and the bath but what he's done across the board is pretty remarkable and i think if you hear all these coaches and we've had them on jeff on mm-hmm. the show and they've talked to the media 
Who's one of the first people they always thank as far as the for the reason of the success and giving him the opportunity? Danny White's name yeah. is frequently brought up. Well, he is their boss after all. Um, the <laughs> the the other thing is, and and I guess we'll wrap on uh, we'll wrap up on this is that I too um, would like to see this success be rewarded with better in-game attendance for those Olympic sports, and I, and I'll tell you why. Well, I mean, obviously, there's there's the, the reasons why are obvious, right? But I have I've always kind of had this vision. Remember a couple times, Eric. You know, when when we were students, right? We would travel with softball or volleyball or or women's basketball. We travel up to Gainesville, right? Uh, I remember one time we were working together. We we traveled up to Gainesville for like a Tuesday or Wednesday night regular season softball game. You remember that game, Eric? Which one again? Uh, it, it was a game up in Gainesville. I think it was around 09. It was one where Tim yeah, yeah. Wal- it was one where Tim Walton got kicked out of the game. Remember that? Well, there have been a few of those, but yeah, okay. yeah, I think you're right. It was 2009. Okay, so just it's run of the mill mid season softball game in Gainesville, yeah. and that place was freaking packed. Okay, yep. not because of the opponent. Okay, not because of UCF going up to Gainesville. It was because hey, the Gators are playing softball tonight. And we're going to go out and see him, okay? And I would love to see volleyball, women's basketball, baseball a little bit more, although baseball's pretty good, could be better. Softball, the tennis programs, the soccer programs especially. I would love to see that kind of turnout for UCF's at, uh, Olympic sports to that level that we see at those other schools. And I think that's going to be the measure of do we have do we have a fan base that matches up with the with the big time that that UCF claims to be. And I think if the fan think, support rallies around I that, I think I think that's going to be that 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 is what will really push this program over the top. I hope we start seeing that. I don't know if I don't know if we will. But I think right. though I think at the very least the student athletes on those teams deserve that. Well, and I think, look, you can make revenue. I mean, there's this myth yeah. that you can only make make revenue with football, and that's it. That's not true. And I, you know, I know people don't like the Southeast Conference, but the thing I give them credit for, they've invested in their Olympic sports, and all of a sudden, there's a lot of softball programs that are making money. In fact, there was an article on, uh, I believe it was Softball America or Baseball America, where softball has become a revenue sport in a lot of places, and it's the same in baseball. I've talked to people that worked at LSU. They make tons of money at LSU with baseball, and a lot of schools do that. Florida State makes money in baseball. Yeah. So you can make revenue in these sports by drawing attendance and having interest there, and it's a fun sport. It's a good product, yeah. and it's very affordable. It's a good family, right? Everybody can play. Hey, I gotta, where do I take my family? Good family you know, atmosphere, out. right? You know, and, and, and you're and, watching, right? Yeah, and you mentioned you watch the best. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, and you mentioned that they make those sports a revenue sport. Remember, it was LSU baseball that per game. Her game outdrew the Miami Marlins last year on, a, on an average Spoiler. per game. They're going to do it, and they're going to do it again. They're this probably going to yeah. draw the race. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they might be climbing they're up. Gonna draw the race. Yeah. And, and let me just defend some of the fans. There's a lot of diehards on those teams. Uh, trust me. I hear on the softball side. I hear it on DMs all the time, good or bad. Uh, so I'm quite, I'm quite aware. And I'm quite aware of it in baseball as well. Um, and I'm sure Jeff, you've heard from diehards in volleyball. So there are. That, uh, you know, I think uh, I know for a fact that softball uh, season ticket holders have increased over the last handful of years. There's more boosters on the softball, so it's growing. We got to remember we're still young in a lot of this stuff. So 
But I do think there should be more marketing towards these teams um, and just get the word out. And, and you know, well, let's stop with the, I can't believe Mike Risco said that about us. How dare that? How to come that Alabama writer, he's such a shower cap. You know, stop that. Don't worry about that nonsense. Worry about the product that we're putting on across the board. That's what yeah. I would tell the fans. Well, the other, yeah, and the other thing too is like, you know, and, and you know, I hear that all the time. Well, they need to be marketed better. Well, you know that men's soccer exists. Stop saying it doesn't. You know that it does. <laughs> you know that women's soccer exists and is good. Get out there and go to the games. Well, I, mean, I mean, that's I what it's about. Where people could get lost, they could get lost. I mean, football is obviously hyped a lot, and hey, go to football Thursday. You know, so you just got to remind people. I get it. And there's ways to do it. I think we're, it's getting better with social media and uh, things like that. And, you know, I think you also do it by honoring some of your past and, you know, having some people come out to your games and things like that. So, I, I, But I think we're headed in the right direction on that. I think certainly there's room for improvement and growth. And uh, But I think that's the thing that's got to be the message out there that, you know, you go to a UCF sporting event, you're going to see some of the best of the best. Softball plays a great schedule every year. I'm sure, you know, baseball does. Uh, with you know, they get the Floridas and the Florida State. You're not going to get that in football. You yeah. know, all that talk about that. You get that in softball. You get that. Well, we, we used to get that in baseball. I don't know now anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Florida's little acting. You know, you know, we, we don't want to play on the road anymore on the bus ride. Um, but I, I think it's an amazing year, and I hope people don't take it for granted. I certainly don't. And uh, it's been a fun to watch all these teams' success. And the, the exciting thing is, a lot of these coaches are still new. Yeah. <laughs> There's who knows yeah. what the future holds. With a lot of these programs, I think people just don't have enough patience. Like, I just kind of scoff. I mean, Greg Lovelady in his first three years has had the most success that any UCF yeah. head coach Fast, ever had in the fa- program. Yep, fastest coach UCF coach to 100 wins in history, faster than Jay Bergman. And, and Jake, yet, and, and, and yet, yet <laughs> Eric, <laughs> and yet people are like, "Should we fire Greg if they don't make the tournament?" Oh my God. <laughs> I tell you, I, I literally. I, guy is literally maybe a g- two games away from being in three NCAA tournaments. By the way, I hate to break it to you. A lot of coaches miss tournaments, especially in baseball, which is the most parody sport with random from year to year. That is, um, yeah. And I would argue, by the way, in my opinion, I don't know what you both think about this. I think the college baseball head coach is the toughest college coaching job in, any, in, in the country, more than any other sport, because you only have certain amount of scholarships, only certain amount of revenue uh, backing. Yeah. What is it? What about eleven and a fraction scholarships? Yeah. Yes. Is that yeah. Right, Murph? People for. Let me tell you something. People for people forget that about those revenue sports. Also, is that they're not all scholar. All those slots are not all scholarship. College baseball, you you have the equivalent. I think it's eleven point seven or some crazy number like that. Yes. And you have, I believe, you have thirty thirty six roster spots. Yeah. Yeah, so try and figure that out. By the way, and then, and then not only that, you got to re- have a recruiting class that you won't even know how many of that your recruiting class that you've worked on for most of the year is actually going to step foot on campus because you got to wait till the MLB draft is complete because some of your guys might be too good and actually get drafted. Whereas in football, once you got a guy to verbally commit or commit, he's going to come. You don't have to worry about him skipping to the NFL draft right away. Um, yeah. So now, and then, if you lose a kid to the MLB draft, you got to replace that kid with somebody else. It's it's not an easy job at all. I marvel at baseball coaches in college and how they do it. And they got screwed earlier this year when the administrators uh, voted down a third full assistant. They only have two full assistants to work with um, in these jobs. Right. And, 
Yeah, that third assistant's a volunteer. <laughs> yeah, volunteer. Yeah. And a lot of these teams, by the way, fly commercial. Uh, they don't fly charter. Um, yeah. So they got – and they got classes. Yeah, so I don't know. It's by the way, the has been pretty good around the teams too, by the way. Yeah, those the, those coaches, you know, and, and and we all know them. The three of us, we all know them, and everybody else, we know we know all these people who coaches in these uh, I, in those Olympic sports, and we know how hard they work. And I would argue, I would argue, Jeffrey, right now, from top to bottom, from a depth standpoint, UCF probably has the most depth and best quality of coaches they've ever had in the history of that school. Agree, disagree. Just from a depth standpoint. Oof, boy, well, you're putting me on the spot on that one. I, I, I would have to. First time somebody did. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to go back. I'm. There you go. Well, Sounds like a story idea. It's. I yeah. mean, it feels like it feels like I kind of have to agree with this just because it's results. It's so it's it's results based, right? And like, so if we're having two of the back to back years in which no program has done this, at least in these last two years of of 500 or better, you're winning more than you lose. You've got to give some credit of all of that to coaching, yeah. And that's that, yep. that's that's department wide. So in the whole, at the whole, I think I feel like the level's got to be yes, because yeah, we might have had we might have had years in which there were programs that were uh, it was more of a top heavy department where you had, you had more programs making the NCAA tournament or not the NCAA tournament, but performing 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 better, uh, but not in not in not as sort of like this across the board success. Yeah. In which case doesn't every doesn't every coach then say like you've never had a year in which you could say every coach was successful and you could actually say that about every sport this season because they won at least in one respect they won more than they lost. Yeah, no, that's true. You're absolutely right. Baseball so. America, by the way, for the Greg Love was Greg Lovett was mentioned as one of the top fifty rising coaches in the sport. That he's been on that list, I think, three years in a row. <laughs> well, that's so, a, that tells you what you need to know, right there. So, all right, um, Brian, we're gonna take. Who's, Brian, who's gonna be the third string quarterback, Brian? <laughs> How is he looking? What are you hearing? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, I'm gonna. Listen, I'm going I to. I can't wait for September and all I'm that going crap. To desperately pull the show back onto the rails and tell you that we'll be back in a little bit to uh, wrap it up here. Our last regular season edition of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Stick around. We're back after this. All right, we're here to wrap it in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy, and uh, Eric Lopez. Um, all right, so here's here's the schedule ahead. We got a bunch of stuff coming up in the summer. Um, one of the things we're going to be working on, obviously, is uh, the Banny Wars that are coming up. Next weekend is going to be our... Uh, nominee week, and we're gonna suit. have. Gotta got, get my suit ready. Gotta, yeah, you gotta get that that uh, tuxedo T-shirt ready there, Lopez. Um, we also have how to. How the heck are we? Are these some of, uh, you got some strict rules. I don't know how we're gonna fit some of these nominees. There's a lot of nominees, and I don't know how we're gonna look. Fit them not all. listen. It, listen, the nominations are gonna be controversial. Not everyone's gonna. Not everyone's gonna be happy with it. And quite frankly, I don't care. Um, the uh, the the following show is gonna be the actual winners. So I think what we're gonna do is I'm going to have the nominees chosen by us, the staff. And then we will go to a fan vote, and the fans will vote. Um, in addition to that, we will have uh, – we'll also be working on our uh, summer sessions. We'll try and get some alumni on the podcast um, to talk about their uh, uh, talk about their time at UCF. We'll probably re-air some things that we aired during the 
um, during the year, uh, during the regular coach, year. UCF coaches Can I have some UCF have coaches on? Your future as well. Yep. Um, uh, kind of recap this memorable year. Hey, we've got some, you know, we got some other summer sporting events to talk about um, as well. I would love to, I, I would love to try and get, for example, Tiffany Roberts Hayek on to talk about the World Cup. We'll see. I don't, I don't know. She's traveling around all, all over the place. So. Um, or UCF uh, alums slash players there getting ready for yep. the Women's World Cup. It starts actually in a, a week from this Friday. Right, exactly. So uh, so there's a lot to talk about there. We'll, uh, we'll also be, um, you know, just trying to uh, – we got a couple of interesting things that I want to do. I want to work on my, you know, the features that I've been doing on, you know, tracking UCF recruiting classes. I know, Eric, you've been working on some um, – we've always got stuff in the hopper about, you know, top – top 10 lists and things like that. I actually went on Mark Rogers' show just recently to talk about to introduce his um, national audience to the four greatest wins in UCF history to try and... believe the four selections you've left out some interesting ones. Well, I only had four, man. You know, you got to make some cuts. You got to make some cuts. It certainly stirred some discussion. Uh, Murph, I know you're going to be... Um, well, the, what, what are you going to be doing? <laughs> I'll be talking. <laughs> no, Jeffrey, I'm going to go on a sabbatical. I'm going to uh, Malaysia. No, I, I, uh, I'm going to be talking to Johnny Dawkins hopefully before the draft. So we, that's we, right. We got the N- NBA draft coming up. MLB draft coming up too. Yeah, MLB, well, I'll, I'll be, I'll be uh, faithfully following the MLB draft from round one to round 200 and whatever they got <laughs> uh, through Twitter because you never know there's always I mean literally I mean this UCF team doesn't have a lot of high-end prospects kind of like they did last year so you know you, you might see guys go off in rounds 30 and 40 and I'll be there with a tweet just on it like there's that only, hey come on you're selling it there's only 40 rounds okay 40 rounds <sighs> it feels like forever how did how did like what, what round was Mike Piazza selected it wasn't like 162 162 like no, sixty-two. Like around I think it was round sixty-two. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I thought it was like somewhere in the hundreds. I don't know. Um, Lopez, I know you got. Uh, what are some of the things that you have in the hopper that you've been thinking about? Oh my God. We're, well, yeah, we're gonna get into. Uh, we're gonna do some rankings once the year's done. Yep. What were the top games of the year, uh, as far as that's concerned? And uh, you know, certainly uh, in in all sports, we'll get a a lot of that in the summer and uh, we'll probably you know who knows there'll be some other right, here's uh, here's what i okay here's my one request eric okay each because to find out who's gonna be the left tackle no uh, no no if when you when you do your top 19 games of 2019 okay please put them in 19 different posts so that i don't have to edit a 3,000 word magnum opus with you know tied for 17th and all that kind of stuff. I we I I need it's it's nineteen days of content. Way I to just give away need. your secrets, Jeffrey. Way to go. It's nightless. It's nineteen days of content that I need to get me through the summer because there's no sports happening. Okay, so that sounds good. This spread sounds like it out. We just had a great discussion that no one heard about content production, and this is totally the bane of that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, we're, turn it out. We are we are feeding the beast out there, and we do that for you, the beast, the fans, of course, naturally. Um, you're you're welcome. Uh, the um, and there's and there's plenty more that we'll be working, we'll be working on our like I said, summer sessions, our summer report cards for all of our for all the sports. Um, where we actually got one actually up there uh, as well for for softball to kind of preview on that one. Um, there's just a lot going on that we're going to be keeping an eye on. Obviously, I'm looking forward to the NBA draft. Does Aubrey Hawkins go? Does Taco Fall go? Does B.J. Taylor? Where does B.J. Taylor land? 
um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, And, of course, alumni stuff as well. Baseball alumni. Jermaine Taylor's back in the big three this year, so that's going to be fun to watch. And, uh, and yeah, so it's going to be fun. So um, keep an eye on us at blackandgoldbanneret.com for all the latest. Follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon on Twitter, as well as Spokes underscore Murphy, Eric Lopez Elo, UCF underscore Banneret to follow all of us. Don't forget also to follow Luke Saris. Um, and you also uh, want to follow Jeremy Brenner and uh, all of us out there as well. So thanks uh, again to you, the fans, for listening throughout this year. And we got the Bannies coming up, uh, nominee show next week, and the uh, Banny Awards the week after. Follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com for all the latest. For Eric Lopez and Brian Murphy, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thanks for listening. This has been Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you next year, next week, not next year, next week for the Bannies. (laughs) 